0: Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 75. This episode is sponsored by Rise of the Upreneur, the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry and building a future-proof business. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we have got a fantastic guest today, Doug McCormick. Now, Doug has a lifetime of experience that provided the foundation for the framework and principles and tools for Family Inc. During the professional career, he served as an active duty army officer, attended Harvard Business School, worked as an investment banker and a private equity investor, and finally became an entrepreneur as co-founder of HCI equity partners where he serves as a managing partner overseeing all aspects of the firm's strategy investments and operations hi Doug welcome to the show
1: hey thanks so much I really appreciate you having me on
0: so I am really looking forward to today so can we just talk us through your journey that's taken you you know you've done so many things what's brought you to that to this place today
1: yeah, Jeff. Well, listen. I, th- I think um, I think life is a journey, and uh, you know, I, have, I refer to it as the financial game of life. Um, and so, you know, in many cases, not um, any great master plan, just um, you know, pursuing an experience, and adventure, and with the benefits of those experiences, you know, made different choices. But I started out um, attending the United States Military Academy, and that was uh, where I um, pursued an undergrad degree in economics, and obviously um, one of the Uh, package deals related to an academy experiences you have the opportunity to serve and so I served in the active duty army um, as an infantry officer and I felt like that was a a great life experience Um, really glad I did it Um, but I did so in the mid 90s and there was not a lot going on during that time period um, and I served at uh, Schofield Barracks in Hawaii, and a lot of people give me a hard time because Hawaii does, does not sound like hazardous duty, and I got to say it was not. It was a, a pretty good gig. Um, but anyways, after uh, my service commitment, I got out and decided I wanted to make a, a career transition back into business, and candidly, I, I felt like at that point in my life, I had a lot of interesting life skills but no business skills, so I went back to business school at Harvard, uh, did the two-year grad program spent some time at Morgan Stanley in New York doing investment banking and then um, as you noted uh, I've, I've essentially been a professional investor for the last 20 years um, the first um, I guess seven as a uh, employee and then um, the last 10 plus as um, a co-owner of the firm that I founded um, in in the mid uh, shortly after 2005. Uh, And so I I feel like I've had the the very good fortune of having a lot of different careers and different experiences, which makes for a rich experience, but also hopefully um, some unique perspective. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So.
0: So, yes, Hawaii must have been a really cool gig. I mean, it really really must have been cool. I mean, for you to get that ticket to go, you're going to Hawaii, son. (laughs) What, What kind of was going through your mind then?
1: Yeah, no, I got to say, uh, Hawaii is a beautiful place um, and I, I served there for um, almost four years and I just had a fantastic time. Now, there's a little dirty secret, which is they station you know, in Hawaii and then they sent me off island for probably half of my time. And so I spent um, you know uh, time uh, in a variety of uh, different locations other than Hawaii. Uh, but the time in Hawaii was fantastic and I had a bunch of friends there from um, both my training courses as well as the academy. And so it was a great, great place to spend uh, a couple of years.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. So you're also, also the author of the book, Family Inc. as well. Um, and one of the things I love about that is the way that you, uh, kind of like it's created like a, a company within a family unit. Um, what is What was the reason behind the title?
1: Yeah, so I think um, it's, it's an acknowledgment that I personally struggled as I, you know, navigated some of the career transitions of trying to make sense of the various choices that I had and the competing demands. And so I struggled when I was in business school and then um, as a young professional of trying to incorporate all kinds of good advice I was getting, but make it um, relevant to my own personal situation. So I'll give you an example. People say you should save 10% of your salary. They say you should invest in yourself, they say you should be invested in the market, and all those are competing demands as you're trying to manage a young family. And I struggled with trying to make it relevant for me. And as a investor, I realized that um, we were using a number of kind of tools to evaluate businesses and improve businesses that seem to be relevant to my own situation. And so over time, I started using the tools that I was using in my day job as a professional investor in my personal life. And that's kind of when it dawned on me that um, for many of us, we would be better off if we viewed the family or ourselves as a business. I, I like to say we're all in the business of selling our labor, and we're all in the business of managing our capital once we've sold all our labor. And if you do that, I think it's a pretty powerful framework to connect a lot of those choices.
0: Yeah, because it's an, especially sort of early entrepreneur, the the you, there is such a challenge with the financial side, and it's I suppose is what have you, what do you think are the key areas when you or the key reasons why you think that when you're looking for the at the family side and treating it like a business, what do you think those benefits are?
1: Yeah, well, I think the first really interesting insight for me, if we if we look at ourselves as a business and we say we got two major assets, we have our labor capital. You know, I'm gonna if I'm 20 years old, I'm gonna work for the next 40 45 years. I've got several million dollars of labor capital available to me to invest however I want to over the next 45 years to generate a lot of financial capital. And so as I'm talking to young folks, I, I highlight to them that in many cases. A 22-year-old just out of college with no money may have more wealth than many of us who are much older because they've got all that labor capital available to them. And I, say, I think that's an interesting kind of framework as young people think about, Do I should I go to school? What's the benefit of that school? Should I take a, a year off and travel the world? Well, maybe, but there's opportunity cost to that. And so it's that kind of thinking that I think is really um, an interesting way for entrepreneurs to to look at themselves as a business.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And also, is it's it's not just it can help everyone, can't it? With that sort of attitude of looking at it, because if you're mm. if you're if you're looking at something from a business point of view, you know, even from the point I suppose of purchases and and all of those sort of things, you're looking at it from a very a much more strategic sense, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and I'm a big um, advocate for, you know, I'm not going to make value decisions for you, but I want to try to give you the tools so that you understand the financial implications for your choice. And then you can overlay your value decisions and your preferences to decide, you know, kind of what makes the most sense. But, you know, e- even people that are just pursuing a career, I think it's really valuable for them to think of themselves as an entrepreneur. They're still They're still selling their labor to one customer, it's their employer. But as they think about managing that career and pursuing additional brand opportunities or experiences or skills, you know, the framework is really valuable whether you decide to be, you know, a um, employee, an entrepreneur, um, a, a member of our services. In all cases, I think the analogy still holds. Yeah, yeah.
0: And can you can you give us some um, strategies that maybe some of the some you know some of the listeners may be just starting in the entrepreneurial game. some of them may be just starting that routine with having a family or something like that. Can you share with us any strategies that may be of benefit to so they can get that ball rolling?
1: Yeah, so I think um i i I'll talk about two different broad categories. The first is um, even as you're thinking about building a career, I think there are some common things that you can do to make sure that the skill sets you're acquiring are really valuable in the marketplace. And so, you know, the first big one for young people is, you know, picking a major or a field of study that really is relevant. You know, you look at how people get compensated. People that pursue STEM, science, technology, engineering, math consistently get paid substantially more than others. And so I think that's because we've taught people problem-solving skills that are applicable in a whole set of different um, industries. Um, I I counsel people that, um, as you're a young person starting out, think about big urban areas to go work. Um, A, I think there's more job opportunity, but B, the ability to relocate when things don't work well um, is really interesting. Um, I tell folks that, um, as a young person starting out, um, invest your labor like a growth equity investor, invest your capital like a value investor. And what I mean by that is, you know, as you're thinking about employing your labor against opportunities, find opportunities that have real growth, real opportunity to um, gain financially, but also grow with the organization. And the reality is the the symmetric symmetry of risk is relatively low. So if it doesn't work out, you get to take that experience and those skills and move to a new opportunity. On your financial capital side, you know, you've got risk of um, gain and loss, and so being more of a value-oriented investor I think is a, is a better approach. Uh, and, and really what I'm trying to highlight here, Jeff, is um, being an entrepreneur doesn't have to be uh, meaning that you're starting the next Google or the next Facebook. You could be a, an employee somewhere, or you could start a much smaller business that still is really financially rewarding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's those, it's those challenges, aren't they? Cause it's, 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 it's that battle of where do we put our time and energies into something? And then sometimes that, you know, sometimes we put all our efforts into the pursuit of something, whether it be a business decision or a co- trying to be cost effective, but then we slip on our other, I guess,
1: responsibilities
0: to our family expenditure as
1: well yeah I think many people underestimate the value of financial flexibility uh, as they make choices. And so you know a lot of times I see entrepreneurs that um they're very excited about starting a new opportunity, but they haven't made decisions in the previous five years that give them the financial flexibility to take risk. and so my my one of my big pitches to you know young folks is um, financial flexibility is an asset. and think about it like a a critical opportunity that allows you to make, um, uh, you know, arguably riskier choices with your labor that can pay off in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So with regards to, with regards to that is do you, do you find that there are, I, I guess, certain, certain personalities for I, I, the, the entrepreneur, do you see in your experience, they take more risks, with this sort of thing or less?
1: Yeah, I think it's calculated risk. So I'm, I'm a big believer that um, entrepreneurship is really um, much less risky than people think. And on a risk-adjusted basis, so in terms of what the opportunity is relative to the risk, I actually think entrepreneurship is much lower risk than employment in many cases. Um, and so that's maybe a little bit counterintuitive. But as you think about entrepreneurship, um, in many cases – you look at the labor markets, labor markets are super competitive, right? If you're out there looking for a job, the employer is comparing you relative to everybody else. You look in the markets and the, the financial markets are very competitive. It's hard to get on a long-term basis more than five or six or 7% uh, per annum return. But when you combine your labor capital and your financial capital, uh, that's, that's entrepreneurship. And in many cases, I see the financial returns being much greater when you do that than if you tried to sell your labor into the market or put your capital into the market
0: yeah it's 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 an amazing sort of it's an amazing sort of um mindset that entrepreneurs have but also, often what you see is there's a lot of people thinking the entrepreneur is a higher risk yeah. in 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 some aspects don't they
1: Oh, I, I think uh, many people perceive it that way, and you know, I look at it as, as someone who's you know, been an entrepreneur for a long time and think that being an employee is, is a risky scenario. So if, if I'm an employee, I've got one customer, my, my employer. If that customer decides they don't need me or don't like the work I'm doing, I've just lost 100 percent of my revenue. Um, and as an employee, or as, as an entrepreneur that I've got the opportunity to diversify my revenues, diversify my risk. So it, it seems like a lower risk proposition to me.
0: Yeah. And I suppose is on that with a, with a, with, as an entrepreneur, you can pivot a lot quicker than you can with the huge mechanics of what a, a large business takes. Uh,
1: I think that's right. And I think the, um, You know, the level of success required to really create wealth, I think, is is often smaller. And so, you know, again, I think um, understanding the size of the opportunity that you're comfortable with, we all think, I think in America, we think about entrepreneurship and everybody talks about Silicon Valley and Google and Facebook. But the reality is in my hometown, there are lots of great businesses serving the local market in the community that can offer a very rewarding career and financial trajectory.
0: If you're an entrepreneur wanting to build a long term, highly profitable business, then we invite you to pick up a copy of the new book, Rise of the Upreneur from best-selling author Chris Ducker. It's the definitive guide to becoming the go to leader in your industry while building, marketing and monetizing a future proof business, catapulting you to expert status in your market and setting you up for entrepreneurial success for years to come. You can pick up your copy of Rise of the Upreneur by visiting youpreneur.com forward stroke book or simply searching for it on any Amazon website. Ready. Okay, ready. fantastic. So the first question is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development?
1: So I think the honest answer is never enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, I think it, by definition as an investor, um, I'm... I have the luxury of um, everything I do is a learning opportunity. At least that's the way I look at it. And so I read constantly about uh, the economy, the markets, and business. And one of the things that's been, been an evolution for me is what I've realized is um, my, my value is often more in my judgment than what I do. And so I'm always trying to improve the judgment. Um, the other thing I would say is I, I'm spending a lot more time trying to professionally develop a team more than myself these days, and I think if if, if by doing that I, I can be much more effective than simply working on all my all my uh, uh, weaknesses.
0: And do you find that that's really helping you with your um, your leadership skills and everything else? I mean, I, I know you've gone through um, some of the big leadership uh, skills within your military career, but do you find that that's on a constant ability to develop?
1: I, I, I'm so amazed at how in so many circumstances in my professional career and in the businesses that I look at, um, where I see, I wouldn't call it a failure of leadership, but a lack of leadership with very basic things like creating clarity, who's in charge, who's accountable, who's responsible for getting something done. And a lot of times, you know, we all work together and we don't take the time to specifically provide that clarity and so i'm a big fan of just taking that time to make sure everybody knows who's on the team who reports to who and who's responsible for what really simple but really impactful
0: yeah one of the things i see quite a lot is is especially in sort of small businesses is the is the you know if you want the owner or the leader or whatever it is they tend to quite often micromanage and it screws up the whole what they're actually trying to do in the sense of delegation
1: yeah, Jeff. It's interesting to me. Um, so I, I invest in small middle market businesses. So businesses that would have maybe $20 million to a couple hundred million dollars of revenue. And what I find is that the skill set required to start and grow a business from, let's say, zero to 10 or 15 is often very different from the skill set required to get that business from 15 to 50 or 100. Um, one is uh, a jack of all trades. And one is a manager who um, points resources against different challenges and directs those resources.
0: Yeah. Do you think that that um, those that sort of price bracket? It's when the owner sometimes steps back and employs a, a CEO rather yeah. than actually trying to do it themselves.
1: Yeah, I think a self-aware owner um, is often should be asking themselves those kind of questions. And, and in many cases, I've seen folks that um, they, they realize their weaknesses, they figure out what they're good at and what they enjoy, and then they surround themselves with a team to complement their weaknesses. And I think that's a super, um, you know, interesting way to approach it as well. But I think that, that the challenge is self-awareness to realize, hey, I'm not good at everything or I don't enjoy everything. Therefore, I'm not going to spend time on it.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's letting go of the ego sometimes as well, isn't it?
1: Hey, humility is an asset, right? We, we all can <laughs> yeah,
0: improve. Absolutely. Question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why?
1: So so I, I got to tell you, I, first of all, I I think I have um, a favorite new book every month. And okay. So let me share <laughs> with, with you what I'm reading right now. Um, it's a book called Lead Yourself First. And one of the reasons I probably like it is uh, it's written by um, an, a veteran named Mike Irwin. Um, and Mike Irwin and the other authors, Ray Kethledge, and Mike and Ray um, really make an argument about leadership and that today's leaders, and they point to history, they give all kinds of examples of great leaders in history and how they used solitude um, as an important asset to make really important decisions or contributions around creativity clarity, moral courage, or balance. And they do this through a bunch of vignettes. So they talk about Martin Luther King or Jane Goodall and how they used solitude in their leadership. And for me, this is really an impactful book because I just feel like in today's connected society, finding solitude to really deep deeply think is a hard thing to do that you pretty have to be really purposeful with.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because um I have just been given the um, Marcus Aurelius um, Meditations. I think it's Meditations from Marcus Aurelius, and he talks about some of his greatest thoughts have ever come to in the fact of he was on his own meditating and thinking about I guess how to run the Roman Empire. So it's it's quite interesting when you think about that solitude, and you're so right. We sometimes we need the space to make those decisions, and not try and surround ourselves with tons of people.
1: Yeah, and 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 tons of information. I mean, when's the last time you know think about yourself? When's the last time you purposely put yourself in a room with no connectivity, no outside stimulus, and no other people? And force yourself to really deal with whatever's on your mind. That's a that's a pretty rare thing these days.
0: Yeah, currently my wife's ill for the last two months, and honestly, I'm shutting the door and trying to keep it out of everyone's sight at the present moment in time. So, <laughs> so who knows? It might have been sooner than you think.
1: Okay. <laughs> there you go.
0: Question number three is: What's your favorite app?
1: Uh, so this is an easy one. So uh, I'm I'm a Twitter um, fan. And uh, I like the app because uh, I think the curated news is amazing. You know, I, I get to follow who I like and I get to get plugged into the things that I think are relevant for me. Um, you know, I get to see their contributions, but I get to see the articles they reference. And I kind of like the informal nature. I think if you can't say it in, you know, 100 characters, uh, you probably need to rethink it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good day. It's a good practice sense of being practicing your is it succinctness you know, just just being able to do that. Okay. Question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you?
1: Um, I would say I I, I got a name for it called the value trap. And I think that for me as an investor is investing in businesses that look cheap based on the financial metrics. um, But I've been enticed to overlook things like the soft aspects of an investment, such as the Is the market attractive? Does it have a good strategy or a competitive advantage, or does it have a good uh, team? And, you know, human capital is probably the easiest example for you. You know, uh, as investors, we always look at the numbers and see if the numbers make sense. But it's easy to forget those numbers only happen when you have a good team behind them. And so... Early in my career, I think I um, biased too much toward looking at all the quantitative stuff. The older I get, I'm still focused on the quantitative, but I appreciate all the soft aspects of how, how business actually works.
0: Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, question number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them?
1: Uh, I don't very well, to be honest.
0: (laughs) I like your honesty. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we just talked about uh, Lead Yourself First, which is the book I was was referencing. And I think in my own experience, I'm a type A person. I'm always engaged. And um, I think this connectivity to my work email and all these news sources is an asset and a liability. And it makes it hard for me to be present in the moment when I'm outside of work. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm working at that. I, I, I think honestly I'm, I'm probably not doing a great job and it's work in process, but I'm, I'm really trying to be thoughtful about being present and, and forcefully putting away my, my phone or my iPad or my computer when I'm not at work to get away
0: but i think that's
1: the that's the
0: challenge when you're a type a personality isn't it is the as i quite often work with type a personalities that haven't realized that is haven't had that foresight that at least you know that you need to work on it and they don't have that and they hit the brick wall and then it's like well what you know there's so much more repair work to do but at least you've got that foresight to go okay i need to work on it
1: well, uh you know so to be honest I think my my wife helps keep me grounded because you know she she runs a tight ship and when I'm over there at home on my phone she gives me the, the evil eye so you know part of it is I'm I'm getting realistic feedback from the family but yes I listen I think this is uh it is it's a real problem and and the lines between work and um personal life continue to blur in my mind.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Okay, that's one of the other benefits with having a loving wife that you just you just yeah. know when you've when you've gone past that point.
1: <laughs> she won't let she won't let me uh forget it. No. no. no <laughs> okay,
0: question number 6 is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out?
1: Uh boy, that's a good question. Um you know, uh I think the first thing I would highlight, we talked about this a little bit is realize that liquidity is a really important asset, liquidity, financial flexibility. I see a lot of ventures that fail, not because the business idea wasn't viable or the execution wasn't good, but that they didn't the team didn't create enough runway to execute and give themselves time, a little bit of time to miss. And so understanding that that financial flexibility is really critical. Um, you know the other one I see all the time is that um, everybody thinks that their idea is too good to share. And so they have a great idea, but they don't want to talk to anybody about it because they're afraid somebody else will copy it. My experience has been, listen, the world's full of good ideas, and they all uh, um, don't amount to much unless there's really good, passionate execution behind them. And the best, fastest way to kind of refine your thinking and your product um, is to get out in the marketplace and share what you got and, and get market feedback.
0: Brilliant. brilliant. Okay. Question number seven is, what is your definition of success?
1: So, so you know, you mentioned I'm an Army guy, so, so this is a little bit uh, from my Army days, but there was a, a recruiting saying um, back in the 80s, which was be all you can be, uh, and I think it's that simple. I, I mean I, I try not to say that I'm looking for absolute goals, but I want to um, try to accomplish goals that I think are um, relevant to my capabilities or my opportunity set. Um, You know, there's a famous – I guess it's a a poem or a reading by Teddy Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. And it talks about um, the the real virtue of the person who's willing to put themselves in a risky situation and willing to risk failure to achieve greatness. And I I so aspire um, for and admire that kind of ethos. Mm, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. um, There's a couple of – there's a poem that is um – that I read from, um, a, I think it's called it's a poem by Chief Te, Tecumseh, I think it is, um, and I heard it on a film that was done by um, Navy SEALs. It's called the Act of Valor, and there's there's certain words or certain phrases in certain um, whether it be um, what do you call what do you call them like. Um, mottos and and those sort of things that just can have this real defining power behind them because they don't have to be complicated, do they? As long as they covet what is at your heart and your core, then that's really that matters.
1: Yep. Yep. Nope. And uh, at the end of the day, there's only one referee and it's you and you got, you got to be, you got to be comfortable with whatever, you know, whatever game you played. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay. Question number eight is do you have any type of morning routine that gets you prepped for the day ahead?
1: Oh yeah, my my morning routine is uh, morning's my favorite time. It starts with coffee, and it starts with this whole concept of solitude. So I'm I'm the first person up in my house every morning, and I get that quiet time to myself before the day gets started. And it's the only time that I know um, never gets interrupted, and it's always mine. So it's about uh, early bird gets the worm. Yeah, and do do you is are you a five a.m. or are you Yeah, I'm I'm sometimes, always before six, sometime between uh, five and six, depending on when my my bladder breaks down. (laughs)
0: okay okay so the final question is the life lesson question it's very much you pick a number between one and 50 whatever number it lands on it comes to a life lesson that um i've sort of um found through my life and it's something that we can discuss it's okay for you to disagree with it it's just to have a a sort of conversational topic point so
1: a number between one and 50 please Perfect. First of all, I think there's some kind of psychological test here based on what kind of number I pick. <laughs> I but I'll, I'll, I'll can't possibly comment. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, go right in the middle, 25.
0: I thought you would go for number one, being alpha male.
1: Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to go for number
0: yeah. one. Um, <laughs> don't judge too quickly. So don't judge too quickly really is, is, you know, sometimes we can either meet people that we just get a, a certain vibe from or we can – you mentioned it before when you were talking about – certain characteristics in a in a in a uh, investment that you were looking at that the market might not be right or something else but then actually use sometimes it then you can very quickly warm to it and realize that it's a it's a good decision and sometimes our first impressions aren't always right so we've got to be very careful with that and i just wondered what you thought
1: uh c- couldn't agree more and i think i'd take it um you know even a step further so a, I it i think as soon as you You have judgments that um, are static, you Mm. stop learning. Mm. And so, not only do you not judge quickly, but I think things change. And so, one judgment at a point in time could be right, Mm. um, but you've got to be open minded to over time that judgment could change. People change, facts change, circumstances change. And I think being humble enough to always revisit your conclusions um, is the way that people really continue to grow, you know, not. Just to, through college, but you know, professionally and and from a, a personal humanity perspective.
0: Yeah, I could, yeah, that was that was lovely putting it that way. Okay, so the floor is now yours, Doug, for you to share how we can find out more about you. Tell us where we can get hold of the book and anything else that you want to share.
1: Sure, Jeff. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. This is lots of fun. Um, yeah, so so you know, the, I think that we started the conversation with the book I wrote. It's called Family Inc. Uh, using business principles to maximize your family's wealth. Um, Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, both carry it, so you can find it there. Um, I've also created a website called familyinc.com. And uh, there on the site, you can learn a little bit more about the book. But I think one of the things that's pretty unique there is – an opportunity to actually use some of the tools and calculators that I talked about. And these are tools and calculators that we use to look at a business and we've kind of modified them to apply to a person's family situation. So you can do things like estimate your lifetime value of labor. Um, estimate your social security benefits if you're in the U.S., and put together a family balance sheet. So I think those are some pretty interesting tools that often drive a lot of insights as people are trying to figure out, again, what I call the the uh, financial game of life.
0: Brilliant. Doug, thanks very much. Um, I've really enjoyed our chat, and I just want to wish you the
1: greatest success. Hey, thanks, and, and best to you as well, Jeff. Uh, thanks again for having me on. Take
0: care. This episode is sponsored by Rise of the Upreneur, the definitive guide to becoming the go to leader in your industry and building a future proof business. So, first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page, just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the great success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.